1: Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe—a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, on today's program, we're going to talk with singer, songwriter, professional musician Shannon Kerfman. She was scouted at the age of 12, signed by Clive Davis by the age of 13. Labelled a blues singer-songwriter, of course, evolved since then and cancer survivor as well. She's currently Kid Rock's female vocalist. I'm sure a few of you have heard of Kid Rock and Kerfman is going to undergo vocal surgery very shortly here, but she believes she'll be back on stage in August for when Kid Rock kicks off their tour. And it looks like they're going to have a show in Minnesota coming up. So right around the corner here And it's amazing that you can have voice box surgery, vocal cord surgery, and a few months later you can sing. I mean, I can't even sing without the vocal surgery, so let's not get into that whole thing. All right, well, I I don't know about you folks, but I'm ready for the interview. Let's uh, get right into it. This is Shannon Kerfman, professional singer-songwriter. She's currently the voice. The female voice in Kid Rock's tour and his songs and his band. But she she also does some gigs occasionally on her own. This is professional musician Shannon Kerfman.
0: Shannon Kerfman.
1: Outstanding. Thank you for joining us here today. Musician Shannon Kerfman. And we grew up in the same hometown. I should say, not wasn't my hometown. My hometown is Minneapolis. And then I moved to Fargo and Shannon grew up in Fargo and then moved to Minneapolis, so I guess it's kind of a reverse. I'm just processing right now um, as <laughs> as we're talking, but uh, just for a brief overview, I, I didn't realize that you got signed at age 13. I guess I thought you were a little bit older, so it was fun for me to get kind of reconnected a little bit. Just in a very short overview for the listening audience out there, talk a little bit about your career. You're 12 years old. You get recognized. You get scouted. 13 years old, you you signed with Clive Davis. So just kind of take over from there and give us an update to where you're at today with uh, the touring of Kid Rock. Uh,
2: yeah, I started in Fargo and um, I ended up moving to Minneapolis. Uh, I, I was splitting my time, but I had I was recording an album independently. So this was before I got signed. So it must have been about 12. Um, during that time, uh, I started writing with a lot of people in Minneapolis. I ended up uh, recording in Minneapolis. You know, things were just kind of pulling that way. Because, you know, the bigger city, I guess, the, the bigger the music scene, um, the better the studios, you know, all that sort of thing. So I ended up putting out an album independently when I was 12. And I, uh, through SoundScan... Which you know tells, um, you know, it reports how many albums you sold every week. Uh, we we started doing that because Best Buy and Target had picked up my album. Um, they're also Minneapolis companies. They believe in a lot of local music. Uh, so, uh, just kind of a byproduct of that was doing SoundScan. Um, with doing that, all of the labels and manhattan and stuff just showed up to <laughs> my gigs i had a tuesday night gig at bunkers in minneapolis i love bunkers yeah it's the best and um you know these guys started pulling up and fancy cars and fancy suits and, and, and how old are, you were
1: you were 12 at this time
2: yeah i was 12
1: okay and 13 then how did how did you meet clive davis
2: uh, a guy named Pete Ganberg um, was the head of R A&R for Arista Records, and he had been one who was scouting me. And um, actually, they ended up all offering us deals, uh, so I I got to pick, which was really <laughs> insane because we weren't, you know, the our intention of me playing music, and I. When I say our, I mean my parents and I, Um, it wasn't to get signed. We certainly didn't think that this was going to be some sort of career at least anytime soon. Um, You know, in my head, it was going to be a process of getting through school in Fargo, going to high school, being able to move out, move to Minneapolis, hopefully find someone that would let me like rent a room in Uptown, and just start grinding, you know, and hope that uh, you know coffee shops would let me play and things like that. And Everything just just happened so quickly.
1: Do you um, do you have any family that has music connections that might maybe helped out at all? I I, I don't know. I mean, you know, does your did no, your dad work for a record company or anything like that?
2: No, my dad was a train engineer at Burlington Northern, and oh. my mother worked for
1: the irs <laughs> well now it all makes sense you got the, you got the railroad and the internal revenue system no wonder you're so successful um uh it's, wait does kid rock know that because i don't think he'd let you in his band if he knew the irs connection <laughs> yeah i think my
2: mother's career probably hindered
0: mine
1: <laughs> <laughs> now would, are you still classified as a blues musician
2: i don't think so
1: well, you were earlier in your in your career, right? That's how you were kind of classified as a blues musician, or did Am I am I not remembering correctly?
2: No, I really was, and I
1: don't really know why. Okay, I, good. I Don't know if I've. I mean, I don't really play twelve bar blues songs. Um, Do you think much. it was your voice? It was your kind of your raspy Amy Winehouse sounding voice, or
2: I think it was that, and the fact that
1: I had a guitar. Okay. I played lead, you know, and. Um, and you're just so cool looking? <laughs> I don't know about that.
2: I, I think that at that time, so many kids were coming out, and anyone with a guitar, they just made us be blues, you know, or at least in their heads. And those were the festivals we were playing. So it wasn't only like Johnny Lang and Kenny Wayne Shepherd and me, but there was also like Je- um, Derek Trucks. Derek Trucks is not blues um you know he's a very rootsy artist but he's not blues um and you know johnny is is i feel is far more influenced by old soul r&b funk um that's also kind of where my heart sits as well as uh you know i'm a zeppelin baby <laughs> i really like uh that type of classic rock that time um so yeah i uh I don't really think any of us were really all that blues, except for Kenny Wayne.
1: Yeah, yet yeah, I, I, for some reason, I like I said, I just remember that's what you were always categorized as, and and you're oh, kind of yeah. like, oh no, I don't think so. And I know that you know people change, times change, but sometimes just labels change too, in in different industries and that sort of thing. So, uh, just a quick plug for your music if somebody is listening right now and they wanted to buy or sample or whatever it might be is do, do you have any websites that you direct people to
2: um itunes uh amazon music i have yet to <laughs> i have yet to try spotify and things like that but i know my music's on there because i see residuals <laughs> i see money
1: from there um, you get your you, you get your 30 cents every year from <laughs> spotify <laughs> right right oh yeah i mean i've um, that whole Spotify and, and some of these other royalties, CD Babies and things, I don't think they're um, mapping out or quite panning out like a lot of people thought they would.
2: Yeah, it, it's been pretty rough. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a time, you know, in the industry um, where people ask me, you know, what what would I tell their, their kid that's in music or that sort of thing. And, and um, the only thing that – I can really say about this business at this point, because I feel like we're all sort of lost this last year's Easter egg, is to diversify, just diversify, and and be able to cover ground in all sorts of things.
1: Shannon Kerfman, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause, but when we return, we're going to continue the conversation with professional musician, Shannon Kerfman. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe.
3: Hey, man, Jr. say it sucks, and brother, it ain't country enough. If instead of using English, you use foreign words. When a competition that you didn't deserve, some fur go-wearing wannabe's producing your
0: stuff, and brother, you ain't country no. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever, the model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019, the Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
3: I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts.
1: Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Shannon Kerfman, professional musician.
2: Cover, ground, in all sorts of things. Um, one of the things that we're doing at our show at Talk in, in Dilworth is um, I reached out to the high schools in Fargo, and I said, listen... I really want to do a cover of the song hallelujah, you know, the Leonard Cohen song, um, you know, very famously done by Jeff Buckley. And, um, and I would like someone to play, um, play some sort of string instrument on it. And uh, we ended up finding this, this kid named Alex, he's 17 years old and he's going to come and play violin with us. And, um, you know, Part of that is just, you know, I really wanted to find someone who would who would really benefit from the experience and um, be able to get on a stage and play with a band as opposed to just playing in high school, which is just fine, too. But this is a, a, a 17 year old who wants more from music um, and now where his heart is really lying is in singing and in writing, Um, and it's just such a, such a cool thing to, to witness, but that's also how I was, and without people really sticking their necks out like they did for me, especially because of my age, I never would have had the career I've had, ever, I just, I I can't even imagine um, how it would have been had I had to wait another 10 years to be able to follow my passion.
1: I absolutely love when someone can recognize the importance of opportunity and being able just to give people who want opportunity opportunity opportunities amazing because I, you know, this as well as I do, there's a lot of people out there just starving for an opportunity and they would do anything for it. And a lot of times they don't get it. And sometimes opportunities just seem to come to the same people over and over again. And, um, sure. so it's, 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 you also have to, you, you have to hustle too. You have to be enough for people to believe in you. You got to create you know? your own opportunity is right. You, you right. know, um, Hey, I wanted to ask you about the shows, you know, you're, you normally tour with kid rock. And so you've got, you got an off year going, so you're doing some, some off shows or some side shows. And I want to ask you about your vocal surgery in a second here. But, um, when you do your shows, I want to ask you a couple comments I I got from past musicians. One is from uh, Matthew Nelson of Matthew and Gunnar Nelson. And what he talked about was that we talked about the changing of the media business and social media and just how everything has evolved over the last 15 years, for example. And he said that your song almost has become a commercial for your concert. What do you think of that? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought I, th- I thought he was pretty spot on because, and he was talking about to where you hardly make any money with the songs; you make it at the concerts and the live events, and the merchandise. And then I remember Blind Joe. And you do you know Blind Joe? He's from Fargo. Yeah, he
2: actually opened for me the last
1: time I played there. A okay. Years ago. Um, Blind Joe, he's a good he's a good friend of mine. Um, he actually played at my cancer benefit and. He he's he talked about just the merchandise, you know, it's selling the the keychains with the with the, uh, you know, the the blind Joe picture on there. Or he talked about maybe getting into canes and same. It was along the same lines that you got to get people to your show because then you can sell the merchandise. And that's kind of what Matthew Nelson was talking about, too. Um, you, you tour with Kid Rock. You have your own concerts. What just what, what do you make of those two statements by, uh, uh, you know, your colleagues?
2: Yeah, I find that really interesting. I, you know, I'm really behind the times. I'm not one for YouTube. I'm not one for uh, social media. When you see me posting on social media, it's because I've gotten a plethora of messages from people saying, are you okay? Uh, You know, you haven't posted anything in a while and things like that. And it's like, oh man, you know, I kind of forget people even care um, because I'm not really thinking anyone would want to hear from me anyway, unless it's about a show or something. Um, so that sort of thing comes really unnaturally to me. Uh, it was maybe a month or two ago that I realized that people just go to YouTube and don't even have something in particular that they're searching for. I, you know, <laughs> they just go and browse. Like I you know, just fall down that rabbit hole. I never knew that. I have also never Googled myself that's just never been something that's crossed my mind I mean someone asked me I had a friend here as that was a comedian that stayed, stayed with us for um, about a week and and she's like oh yeah I saw this on you know on Google and when I googled you and I said you, you googled me like why would one do that <laughs> you know my music's my music and kind of the rest is irrelevant and you're you know no one's going on Google to, to look up someone's
1: music i got news um, for you i've had i've had people google me before interviews oh yeah just to yeah. just to decide if they liked my i don't know political view non-political view kids my sure. p- pictures of my kids i don't know i mean it's just kind of like it's weird though right
2: it's it's really a foreign feeling i mean well, at least it is to me I, i'm i'm
1: more afraid to google myself because i don't want to see what i did in the past I'm good. I'm good. I'm good with what I did. Let's just leave it there. I'm I'm just going to, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. I got enough mirrors around the house. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to do any more of that introspection on the web. Um, it probably bring me right to the dark web, you know, that thing that is called. But that's 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 interesting, though, that you're like that to where you've created an environment where it just it doesn't matter. Can I ask you, is that is that because of your early fame with somebody like a Clive Davis, and then it continued Asian of that all the way to current with Kid Rock, because I've heard this a lot from a certain echelon of fame where they just don't engage with the social media and even the, the newspapers and a lot of things, because it's just, it's not healthy for them. It's just best to just, you know, what live your life and whatever people are saying, they're saying, do you know what I mean by that?
2: Yeah, I I do think that um, you know part of of why it feels so weird to me is probably because I was so young uh, when when all this happened at, in, in such a large spectrum. I mean, I did every late night show, I did every morning show, every day show. I mean, it was just insane, you know. It was just we were all over the place, and and uh, and then people. I mean, still to this day there are so many people that come to my shows who really feel like they know everything about me. Um, And I, I, but I think we're, and that's fine. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I, I actually, that actually makes me feel really connected, I guess, to my audience. Um, But there have definitely been a lot of instances where people have crossed the line and, and there's been, you know, restraining orders and things like that and uh and i think that's really made me kind of shut down in a lot of ways um with social media and um but I'm, I'm trying i'm trying to kind of come around to it because you know like like that guy said you know there really is something to the theory that you're you know you're single is like a commercial you know for for your live show um or for your act and uh You know, but if someone will listen to a song, say they're listening to it on YouTube or or whatever streaming service, another one's going to start right after it. So, but if you don't have anything else out there, they're not going to have anything to listen to. So, you know, keep the commercial going, I guess. I guess, yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, so it's definitely, I've been waiting in the pool, I guess. And, And at this point, I know, that I need to start uh, posting videos on YouTube and things like that. Um, I have uh, also considered just releasing individual songs, just just releasing singles on iTunes and Amazon.
1: Shannon Kerfman, I'm gonna ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're gonna take a quick pause, but when we return, we're gonna continue the conversation with professional musician, Shannon Kerfman. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe.
0: up, Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
3: I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies.
0: Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thoughts on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years innovative the cleanest most technologically advanced downstream project ever the model for future shale basin projects groundbreaking with construction resuming in early 2019 the davis refinery
1: Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Shannon Kerfman, professional musician.
2: Also considered just releasing individual songs, just just releasing singles on iTunes and Amazon, uh, as opposed to a full album, uh, just because of people's um you know people don't really have the patience (laughs) anymore for an album um but i don't know i i really have lucked out with my fan base they're uh i think they're more just music fans they're more roots music fans they really do want to buy the album they really want a physical product they do want the the ticket to the show and to spread the word and to buy t-shirts and all those things. So one of the things that it it takes me a lot of time um, uh, every day, but I do sell my albums and merch on my website Um, and I sign the albums and personalize them how you want them personalized because I really do respect and appreciate the fact that there are people out there that still Mm -hmm enjoy
1: that how long have you been touring with kid rock
2: i've been touring with kid for 10 years
1: okay yeah that's been and how, how many tours have you gone on? do you um, offhand do you, in the oh, last 10 one years. after another oh I it have has been like,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> okay is, is yeah. this like the first summer you have off or
2: i believe so yeah.
1: okay uh,
2: um i i did happened to get sick too uh, three years ago. So I, uh, missed months, um, just in my recovery and after all my surgeries and that sort of thing. Mm. And, uh, but I'm cancer free again. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I did have an off summer, but it wasn't very fun.
1: <laughs> I didn't realize you had uh, cancer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, which, which, which body parts, if I may ask.
2: I had a very invasive melanoma okay um, so yeah it was it was pretty terrible and it was very up in the air for a long time um, but yeah we got through it and definitely changes your perspective and
1: I'm just uh, you know what I was doing before you called is I'm just finishing the final stages on my book cancers a B cancer's a b-i-t-c-h two covers one for those who can handle words and ones who just want the letter b and right. um yeah and, and that's what it is is a collection of stories of my processing cancer i was um last summer i went in for a colonoscopy and had stage two possibly stage four cancer and um surgery and ended up getting a uh, c-diff infection below 150 pounds and just it was a quite an ordeal and so we got the um publication coming out hopefully in the next couple days that's uh so I didn't realize that about you and how long have you been uh I'm, I'm still I'm not a year yet so I'm not out of the woods you know I got one more scan in May and then I've got um my one year anniversary two months after that I guess and then I get my annual colonoscopy to find out but um how, how many years have you been cancer-free
2: Um, I'm at about three years right now. Okay. I I I just reached three years. Yeah. I, um, that's pretty great. That you know, if you if you're only going to have to go in, you know, once a year, and yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm not really out of the woods yet either. But um,
1: oh, you never are. You know what I mean? Right.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I. You know, it's it's really. uh, I've actually been following um, the progress of your book.
1: Oh, have you really?
2: Yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, it definitely, you know, interests me and and it pertains, you know, it it pertains to my whole family. Um and
1: uh You know, it's yeah, I, I got to tell you me. what it happened to me yesterday just a sidebar real quick. I'm not yeah. trying to make the interview about me here, but um no. yeah. I was um getting my uh teeth cleaned and you know that 3 to 5 minutes when the dentist comes in and a- approves what the dental hygienist does? And then uh-huh. leaves. Uh, well, my normal guy was out. And so the guy filling in uh, was a uh, classmate's father. That So a guy that I went to elementary school, church, confirmation, and graduated high school with. It was his dad. And so he's probably 67, we'll call it. And we started talking. And, of course, he knew I had cancer because it was in my chart and everything else. And we started talking. And he just goes, you know, my wife just got diagnosed two weeks ago when we're heading down to Mayo tomorrow. So here I was, a 44-year-old guy, giving advice to my friend's parents because this was the first time cancer had impacted him personally like that because everybody knows somebody who has cancer, but until it impacts your immediate family or your close circle of friends or you, it doesn't impact you. And this was, I could see it. This was the first time it really did. And so here he's asking me for advice and that sort of thing what a weird position to be in in my shoes you know and I don't know if that's if, if you found yourself in that shoes or not but um do you know what I mean by that oh it's just for somebody our age that ain't normal in our age you're 10 years yeah. younger than me so yeah there
2: yeah it was um I think where I, I kind of looked out with my cancer treatment was um the cancer the type of of cancer I had they said is the rarest type they've ever Found.
0: wow um,
2: because of that they don't know much except nothing else kills it so radiation chemo things like that won't do it all they can do is keep kind of scooping out of me um, anything they find um, but you know hopefully <laughs> that you know now that there's a name for it and all that um, as research is done things will get better with, with how they'll be treating it. Uh, but where, where I did luck out, like I said, is, um, so many people got involved, um, Mayo and, and all sorts of different, uh, doctors were just, uh, and oncologists were so intrigued because they think my type of cancer has been, um, misdiagnosed, uh, more so than not as, uh, just, uh, You know different melanomas that that aren't that shouldn't kill you and then suddenly that person dies and it's like what how did that person die when it was just you know uh, what should have been like a simple melanoma um and uh yeah it was probably this this type of cancer
1: last cancer question then we'll get to your show um in just a second here (laughs) but uh you know you're you're young. I'm young. Um, I know there's some 16 year olds that might argue with us, but we're young. So when, <laughs> when I start to see there's more and more people our age, or I'll just say under 50 getting cancer, um, am I being sensitive to it as far as just, cause I I've had it and I'm noticing it more because I thought I'd noticed it a lot more before, uh, I, I was diagnosed like, boy, it just certainly seems like there's more and more people these days under the age of 50 that are being diagnosed and getting it just out of the blue, like healthy people just all of a sudden. Have you become aware of that? Am I just really sensitive of it, or is that anything at all that you've even thought about?
2: I have. I I always thought I was very sensitive to it. Um, the doctors that I had uh, actually told me they thought the reason that, I was still alive because I was maybe a week from it being everywhere Um, and there would have been nothing they could do was because of the diet that I had for years at that point, which was a ketogenic diet. Um, So I didn't have sugar in my system, so I wasn't feeding my cancer. So the cancer that was there was probably hadn't grown um, in a long time. That means, though, that I had this cancer since um, they thought I was about 16, and it was from a sunburn, like a very, very bad sunburn where I, I, I couldn't wear clothes for a week. I mean, it was really terrible. You know, we went to the hospital and everything. Um, but uh, I do think that there is maybe, uh, maybe part of that is at this age, I mean, at, the, at this time, people are a little more open about things that are happening with
1: them shannon kerfman i'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment we're going to take a quick pause but when we return we're going to continue the conversation with professional musician shannon kerfman my name is jason speese and this is the multimedia cafe Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Shannon Kerfman, professional musician.
2: And it was from a sunburn, like a very, very bad sunburn where I, I, I couldn't wear clothes for a week. I mean, it was really terrible. You know, we went to the hospital and everything. Um, but... Uh, I do think that there is maybe maybe part of that is at this age, I mean, at, the, at this time, people are a little more open about things that are happening with them um, because I have gotten a lot of, of that feedback. Um, for a long time, uh, what we all said, Um, and you know, I discussed this with Kid Rock. I was going to be missing a lot of shows. People were asking a lot of questions. Um, we decided to just say I was having shoulder surgery. Um, I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I didn't want to be looked at as, um, a victim or a patient. Uh,
1: I went through that same thing, by the way, I didn't want to be known as the cancer man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and my daughter, I, I hadn't told her yet. Um, you know, there were a lot of things. And then once I did tell her, did I want other people coming up to her and saying things? Of course not. Not at seven years old. So, um, so I, I kept it private when I finally came out and told people it was because I felt that I had a platform that, that mattered enough to be like, guys, just wear sunscreen, you know? put on a shirt like this is crazy you know I would see people and I'd get so mad like seeing little children just fried um and that was what my cancer is from um so yeah it it got to the point where I finally said something when I did so many people came to me and said you know I had cancer and or my parents died of cancer and they never even told anyone you know they didn't tell anyone until the end so I do think that there was uh that you're hearing about it too a little bit more just you know as well because of people being more open
1: i've i've received a lot of um comments from people like i said that it's it's not so much the ones who are diagnosed it's been the ones who've been impacted by it and because being a single parent i did not leave my son in the dark um i had a few people really write me some very long heartfelt emails about how, you know, they're a single parent or they were raised in a single parent household with the person with cancer and type thing. And I never thought of it like that before. Like, um, uh, you've got an 11 year old. Did you, did you bring, fold her in? I guess. How, how did you approach that? That's, that's a tough age. She'd have been like eight years old at that time. Is this too personal by the way? What what kind of show did this turn into here? Is this the view? (laughs) (laughs)
2: no, I don't mind at all. I, uh, she was seven when I was diagnosed. I did not tell her for months until they were comfortable enough getting in there and cause they had already seen one of my tumors and they knew that they had never seen anything like it. Um, and because there are so many places it can spread right there, obviously, uh, it really was in my shoulder. Um, I, we didn't know how far it was and with not having a way to treat my cancer other than surgically, um, I wasn't going to tell her until they had their plan on how they were going to treat it. Um, so yeah, it was a really hard, um, couple of months, uh, where I didn't know, if I was going to be around to see her turn nine, I mean, it was really, and, and, and I'm also a single parent. Um, so where that would leave her. I just, every doctor I met with every oncologist, every person that would listen to me, I'm like, listen, you need to keep me around for 10 more years, just 10 more years. I need to get her to 18 years old. And And, you know, thinking that I'm almost, like, kind of bargaining with them or making a deal, like, you know, okay, you don't have to keep me alive for 30 years or 50 years, but if you can just keep me alive for 10, maybe they would be able – maybe I wasn't asking too
1: much. I I feel like I'm looking in the mirror right now because all I could think of is just please get me through to Otis's graduation. Like, just – you know what I mean? Like, to where he's 18, and I don't know why 18 was the magical age. It was just like – that's what I kept thinking, too, was because I had, oh, it was two to three weeks where it was either stage two or stage four. And that's not a fun time. That is not a fun time. I mean, I remember specifically waking up one day thinking the first thought in my head, today's going to be an awesome day. And I was just forcing positivity and this and that. And and all what, what I do, I turn on I turn on YouTube because a lot of times I listen to my music on YouTube and then I play YouTube roulette. Just whatever comes up next I listen to. And uh-huh. it was and it was Fight Song. Well, I don't know how Fight Song got on there, but my son, he's a he's a musician and he sings and there there was 117 kids that tried out for the for the school solo. He got it and it was Fight Song. So what do I do? I buckle to my knees, and I'm crying right away because I'm trying to figure out if I'm stage four. I'm begging to anybody who will listen, please give me some more years on this planet so I can spend some time with my son and get him off. But that's, I know I thought it was interesting that you brought up this, around the same time frame that I did too. Is that just, I don't know. Um, there's something about that, I guess, to like our job is done, or I don't know. This is, again... It's
2: not even thought a lot about this it really isn't that the job is done and and it's not like you know they magically move out at eight <laughs> i know i mean I, know? I,
1: i'm just trying to figure out why do we both go to that <laughs> i almost
2: think it's more of the legal thing it's going yeah. i don't want someone else taking my child Ooh. i don't want my daughter to be somewhere that she's not wanted as much as she's wanted with me no one will ever want her as much as i want her that's just that's just the thing yeah and and until, until they're 18 or emancipated, you know, they will go to someone else. And I just, you know, cause I, I wondered that so much about myself, too. It's like, why why was my deal with the devil, <laughs> you know, so to speak, 18 for her? Well, I, um, I
1: thought the same thing. Like, after I was uh, diagnosed with stage two, I had a new set of issues. But the, the, the good news was is I didn't have to have the f- fatality thoughts as quickly you know and so when I eventually got to the thought I went why was I bargaining only 10 years why would why why wouldn't I do 20 like why was I yeah. only doing the minimum or what was the like why was I even bargaining at all and so that's kind of like what you were saying like the deal with the devil type thing why was I even doing that but um anyway yeah
2: yeah I was I just remember begging my my surgeons when <sighs> I was you know counting down. I'm like, I'm not gonna count down numbers for you until I pass out, but I'm gonna tell you one more time, you need to keep me alive for ten more years.
1: <laughs> and, and that was professional musician Shannon Kerfman. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The multimedia cafe is part of the crude life media network. You can check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Even YouTube, all of those links are available at crudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We'd love for you to be a part of our social media audience, 350,000 followers we have. If you go and add up all the different YouTubes and the Facebooks, you get about 350 to 400,000 if you include the LinkedIn too. Boy, I tell you, YouTubes, LinkedIn's, we haven't even got on the Instagrams yet. That's way too much. We're not that hip yet. We're getting there at the Multimedia Cafe. Maybe we'll get a busboy and he'll help us out here at the Multimedia Cafe. All right, well, that's gonna do it for today's program. I'd like to thank you very much for tuning in. If you're listening on the radio, thank you very much. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. And for those of you listening on the web, we appreciate you streaming us or listening via your apps and those of you on iTunes and other podcasts that have listened to us later, tomorrow, down the line, when they're available on podcast, we appreciate it very much. There's a million people doing content out there, and so we cannot thank you enough. We are so grateful that you choose the Crude Life Media Network, the Multimedia Cafe, and our exclusive interviews that we bring you as part of your content selection throughout your life. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to save your life, and enjoy the spice.
0: Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
3: I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies.
0: love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery.